Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football! And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Aw, yeah, everybody. This is the Memes of the Weekend podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. This is NFL Week 12, college football Black Friday week, final week of the regular season, and the week that Lincoln Riley decided that he was going to up and leave Oklahoma for Southern California University, which is a very weird story. We'll probably talk about it more on Tuesday, I assume. We'll save the something funny that happened in the aftermath of that, though, for our five little things. We will also partake in our final mocking of the ACC and the Pac-12 for the 2021 season. We have committed to this bit for eight to nine weeks, and damn it if we aren't going to finish it here on Memes of the Weekend. Uh, Also, Titans-Patriots. A lot of funny stuff happened from that game. We'll get to that in a bit. But first... Remember how the uh, Bears and Lions were going to play on Thanksgiving and it was going to be Chase Daniel versus Tim Boyle and we made Chase Daniel and Tim Boyle jokes for an entire week and I said that that was the worst NFL game of the season and this is a year where we had to watch Jacoby Brissett versus Tyrod Taylor. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the, the Eagles and Giants stepped in this week and said, we are going to deliver an even worse game. Then Bears and Lions, 16-14 on Thanksgiving, a game that the Bears probably should have dominated, but also the Chicago Bears really, really didn't want to win that game as much as they did. Like, the Bears missed a field goal in a dome from like 30 yards out. They threw a pick in the end zone to end the half. Like, they left 10 points on the field right there pretty much dominated a Lions team. We know the Bears suck, but we know they're better than the Lions now, and they still found a way to win, but boy, if they didn't try to lose it time and time again, and that's a sign that that's a bad game, is when both teams are bad, one team is worse than the other team, but the team that's better is bad enough where they keep trying to lose it over and over again, that is the formula I have figured out for being a really, really bad game, is we know both teams are bad. Here's Okay, let's, let's save this for future reference. The four things to know if an NFL game is really, really bad. One, we know both teams aren't good. Two, one of the not good teams is still better than the other not good team by a margin that we can see on the field which usually means both teams are not good, but one team is really, really bad. Three, that team that's better than the other team plays better than the other team, but makes just enough mistakes to keep the game close. And four, you have some kind of stupid result that happens at the end of the game. 
That is your formula for what is a terrible, terrible game. Something stupid happening at the end that only bad teams could do in playing bad football. We will keep this in mind for next college football season. Make note of it. Save it for the rest of time. What makes a bad football game? I present to you Eagles and Giants. What makes this game bad? Let's go through the list. One, knowing both teams are bad. It's the Eagles and Giants. That one kind of speaks for itself. Two, the team that is, one team is, is still a better than the other one. Eagles, we know they're slightly better than the New York Giants. They were slight favorites in this game. Eagles were 5-6 and six coming in. Some people were saying they were going to make a meaningless wildcard run for a team that I said at the start of the year was set up to lose against a Giants team that, if they weren't this bad, would be tanking this season. But also Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge uh, are trying to keep their jobs, so they're not technically actively tanking the way that the Lions and the Jets and the Jaguars, and the Texans are actively tanking because those coaches are all in their first year. These coaches are technically trying to save their job. So while they're not trying to tank, team pretty much is tanking. We know the Giants are one of the five worst teams in the NFL. Eagles are one of the ten worst teams in the NFL. So number three, the team that is better does everything they can to try and lose the game. Let's give you the lowdown for the Philadelphia Eagles via their drive chart from this game. Punt, interception, punt, interception at the end of the half. By the way, that interception, the second one, that'll be part of our dumb thing that we'll get to in part four. Turnover on downs, interception, finally score a touchdown, 10 play drive, 66 yards. Punt, fumble, turnover on downs, end of game. That is the the Philadelphia Eagles playing today. Let me read this again, but with both teams combined. This is Giants and Eagles alternating back and forth. Punt, punt, Giants field goal, interception, Giants missed field goal, punt, punt, Eagles interception, Eagles turnover on downs, Giants touchdown offset turnover on downs, Interception, punt, touchdown, Eagles, punt, punt, field goal, Giants, fumble, punt, turnover on downs, game over. Just absolutely pathetic football. I was watching this game on the red zone and it kept coming up because there were just weird things that kept happening and I kept seeing Jalen Hurts' stat line. Boy, was that bad. Um, And this whole game, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the worst football game of the season. And we said that the the Panthers and Texans game from Thursday night back in week three was the worst Thursday night game ever. This has taken the whole labyrinth. This might be the worst football game I have ever watched. A lot of bad Eagles and Giants football over the last two decades of my life. This one just might take the cake. It was bad. Now four, what are the stupid things that happened in this game? Well, let's start off with that interception at the end of the half. The Eagles had eight seconds left. They had the ball at the 16-yard line. Jalen Hurts rolled right with two seconds left and threw an interception. Again, if you spike the ball into the ground, if you throw the ball into the stands, but you have a player in the vicinity. By the way, Jalen Hurts had already rolled way out of the pocket. If you throw it directly into the head of Nick Sirianni on the sidelines, you get a field goal. And you know what? A field goal in that moment would have made it a 3-3 to football game. 
the game was so bad that if you just throw the ball directly into the temple of Nick Sirianni, you are getting a tie game at halftime, despite the fact that you at this moment were 9 for 20 for 5, I think it was, no, it was uh, about 70 yards, I think it was. 70 yards, under 50% completion percentage, no touchdowns, one pick. You're still walking away with a tie because you're playing the shitty New York Giants. And he threw a damn interception as time expired. An interception, by the way, that Tay Crowder, who got the interception, got the ball punched out at the end of the half. The Eagles just happened to punch it free out of bounds so that they couldn't you know, recover it and run it back for a touchdown or some stupid shit. And then we go to the end of the game which was 13-7 Giants, Eagles having the ball, great field positioning because the Giants, with one minute to go after the Eagles gave up the ball, went negative eight yards on their end-of-game drive. They got a penalty, saved them time, got two yards on the ground, punt back to the Eagles. Eagles get the ball at the their own 30-yard line, which means that we can... First and foremost, declare right now, Jalen Hurts, you win Kirk Cousins purgatory for week number 12. Now, did Kirk Cousins get the ball down eight? No timeouts, length of the field? Yes, Kirk Cousins will get another award for Kirk Cousins purgatory this week. It's a joint award, absolutely. But Jalen Hurts, one minute to go. 115, by the way, 115, down six. No timeouts, 67 yards to go. Classic Phillip Rivers slash Kirk Cousins purgatory. Jalen Hurts gets the ball to the 35-yard line of the New York Giants. And he throws a bomb to Jalen Rager off his hands, incomplete. You probably saw this on the internet. Dropped the game-winning touchdown. Jalen Hurts, next play, deep ball, nobody in the vicinity, it's now, they had to spike it, so now it's fourth down. They, they had to spike first down, so second down, deep ball, Rager, drop, third down, incomplete, nobody in the area. Fourth down and 10, 35-yard line. What are you going to do? Just bleep it and throw it to the end zone. And Jalen Hurts dropped it again, and the Philadelphia Eagles lose in just stupid fashion. Kirk Cousins purgatory, two drop touchdowns by Jalen Rager, The internet was roasting him because obviously he was taking one pick before Justin Jefferson. It's a rough time to be Jalen Rager. It's a rough time to be an Eagles or Giants fan. It's a rough time to be an NFL fan trying to watch this game, but it's a great game for content because again, let me repeat the drive chart for this game for both teams. Doesn't matter who's what. I already explained it before. Just punt, punt, field goal, interception, missed field goal, punt, punt interception at the end of the half when you could have kicked a field goal if you just throw the ball directly into Nick Sirianni's junk second half turnover on downs touchdown interception punt touchdown punt punt field goal fumble punt turnover on downs game over two drop passes absolutely stupid And in terms of, like, game analysis, since this might be one of the last times we talk about this, I think we can start making some conclusions on the Jalen Hurts experiment. We know what Jalen Hurts is not, similarly to what we talked about on our NFL Monday podcast with Tua Tagovailoa. 
We know what Jalen Hurts is not. What Jalen Hurts is not is a franchise quarterback for the next 10 years, which is fine. Again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like Jalen Hurts was not expected to be that coming out of the draft. Jalen Hurts was going to be undrafted going into his final year transferring to Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts did not have NFL pedigree. He was one of the more inaccurate Alabama quarterbacks of the last two decades, which is really saying something. And Jalen Hurts had a Heisman caliber season. His gift is with his legs, similar to Lamar Jackson, except he can't, he's not as athletic or can't do things where Lamar Jackson is like just a a super athlete among super athletes. Not exactly what Jalen Hurts is. But Jalen Hurts makes a lot of plays with his feet, and that makes him a very good weapon. Jalen Hurts is a fringe-level starter right now for a very bad Eagles team. An Eagles team that has set him up to fail? Yes. If Jalen Hurts was put in a better situation, he'd probably look like an average quarterback. He's a fringe starter. That's exactly what those look like. Teddy Bridgewater's doing a lot of that with the Broncos right now. Or if you put him in a good enough situation, he'll look like a top-20 quarterback. And at the same time... The more young quarterbacks come into the league and the more the Eagles start seeing all their different options and aren't actively trying to lose or at least setting up a roster that's actively trying to lose, they'll move on from Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts will become a backup somewhere or a starter on another really crappy team that plays really crappy games like the Eagles played against the New York Giants today. Again, one final time before we move on. And again, congratulations to Jalen Hurts. He'll forever be remembered with one Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. Punt, punt, field goal, interception, missed field goal, punt, punt, interception when they could have kicked a field goal if he doesn't throw the ball directly into Nick Sirianni's jaw and fractures it the way I.K. Enempali fractured Geno Smith's jaw for the Jets. Second half, turnover on downs, touchdown, interception for the Eagles, punt, touchdown, punt, punt, field goal, fumble, punt, turnover on downs, Kirk Cousins purgatory, two drop touchdown passes, game over. Just the worst game of 2021, but also so goddamn hilarious. Bears-Lions, Eagles-Giants, chef's kiss to both of you for putting terrible football in front of our eyes that at the very least was not a blowout terrible football. It was just teams playing a level of football that was not professional, was not amateur, was somewhere in between, kind of like the USFL. Amateur football not professional, slightly above that, even though a lot of players on the Giants and Eagles will be playing in the USFL when it kicks off two years from now. It is time for the five little things here on the Memes of the Weekend. What this kind of became was, for those tuning in for the first time, uh, we just kind of just started listing off funny things from the weekend, but they didn't really have any order to them, so now I created five little things. Five things that I found funny, some of them short, some of them long, but they're five little things that were funny this weekend. Little memes that we can laugh at here on the podcast, like a funniest thing from the weekend type of situation. So let's roll. One. Should we talk about the Zach Wilson and uh, the back interception that everyone was talking about here? Uh, I know that that was kind of a funny joke circulating around the internet, but yeah, the the Jets were favored against the Texans. They beat the Texans. This is a step in the right direction for a rebuilding organization. I totally forgot that Zach Wilson was playing uh, today against the Texans, but yeah, Zach Wilson threw an interception off his teammates back that uh, got picked by the Texans. The Texans also had an interception that was batted by a, a really athletic play by, I forgot the name of the 
the Jets player who had the interception, but really, really athletic play on their part, batted the ball into the air, and then ran another 10 yards and intercepted it, and then was just, des- it was John Franklin Myers who had it, I remember now, John Franklin Myers, bats the pass into the air, and is catches it and then is just trying his best to run for the end zone and there's a fast guy for the Texans I don't know if it was uh was it Brandon Cook now Brandon Cooks isn't that fast anymore it was number 11 for the Texans whoever number 11 was for the Texans ends up chasing him down it's it's not Anthony Miller because apparently Anthony Miller plays for uh apparently Anthony Miller's a Steeler now which I found that out today who would have thunk it he was a bear like four months ago, then was a Texan, and apparently he's now a Steeler. I think it was Nico Collins, now that I'm looking at it. Also, Danny Amendola, apparently a Texan. Did not know Danny Amendola was still hanging around, but Danny Amendola is apparently playing for the Texans now. Who would have thought? Uh, anyways, so Nico Collins chases down John Franklin Myers as he's desperately trying to sprint for a first down. There's some funny things there. That and the back interception and the fact that the Jets now have three wins and they're going to have like the number six pick in the draft again is uh, very funny coming out of that. Two, Mac Jones uh, diving for a first down on third and ten gives a uh, gives a or stands up it's one of those plays where it looks like he takes a big hit but it probably wasn't that big of a hit Uh, and Mac Jones gets up looks a little wobbly and uh, hits the first down point Uh, Mac Jones was three yards short of the first down when he hit the first down point after not getting the first down the uh, Patriots would punt immediately after three Sticking with the theme of the Patriots and Titans game, uh, Ryan Tannehill throwing a tipped interception to J.C. Jackson in the end zone, uh, taking off his helmet and just looking so broken. Ryan Tannehill just looks so broken because now A.J. Brown is on the IR. Julio is still on the IR. Um, The real meme of this is not Ryan Tannehill having 93 passing yards and a 60.2 quarterback rating, which proves everything that I was saying about the Titans to be true. So much so that I believe the Colts are now going to make the playoffs because the Titans are so injured. I would just like to read the Titans' top skill position players to you as uh, the meme of the weekend. Here are the players who are the top skill position players for the Tennessee Titans. Nick Westbrook-Akina, Chris Hollister, Damian Hilliard, Deonta Foreman, Someone named Kari Blissingame, who had three carries for six yards. Michael Pruitt, Jeff Swaim, Anthony Ferkser, and Chester Rogers. Those were the top targets for the Tennessee Titans against the New England Patriots. Four. So we had a funny moment happen uh, at the end of the Florida and Florida State game. Uh, for those who may or may not remember, Florida State was playing Florida for a meaningless trip to a bowl game. Florida State's season pretty much over. Florida's already fired their coach and hired their new coach. Uh, Billy Napier is the coach now at uh, Florida after coming over from Lafayette, which is kind of like the antithesis of the la- of the Lincoln-Riley hire by USC. But anyways, the, the point being, so in the Florida-Florida State game, there is a player who gets injured for Florida, and uh, they do not have the cart readily available. And so multiple staffers for the Florida Gators pick the guy up by both of his legs. I believe it was a lower leg injury. 
uh, pick him up by his legs and carry him like that meme of the guys carrying the, uh, or uh, the meme of the guys dancing while carrying the, um, what is it called? The, the casket on their shoulders. They basically got this guy sitting on their shoulders like he's on a throne and they're like running like they just kind of pooped themselves to the sidelines because obviously this guy's heavy. He's 250 plus pounds. He's got, you know, some pads on that'll add some weight to it. Uh, so they are running around like kind of like what I would do when I'm like running to the bus stop uh, where your legs aren't really bent all the way down. So you're running like it looks like you pooped yourself. And uh, they carry him not just to the sidelines, but all the way into the locker room because they did not have the cart readily available at the Florida game. It was a very funny video. You can probably Google it somewhere on the internet. Five. So this goes back to what we were talking about. We teased it at the start of the podcast. We teased the uh, Lincoln Riley story where Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma for USC 24 hours after adamantly deny, no, sorry, 12 hours after adamantly denying that he was going to take the LSU job. And he basically just teased everyone for asking the wrong questions because they just assumed, well, he would take the LSU job, not the USC job. And Lincoln Riley took the USC job. And it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is from that. What was very funny is that Adam Schefter, who works like an NFL like PR guy, where NFL, he's a reporter with 8 million followers, but obviously is uh, employed by the NFL and does a lot of the NFL's bidding in terms of his reporting favorably or not favorably towards the NFL. His journalistic standards have very much been called into credibility with the John Gruden scandal and the way he reported Dalvin Cook and just general stuff that's happened for him, the way he handled the Aaron Rodgers situation. All of that is called into question, like the the journalistic ethics of Adam Schefter are not like non-existent, but they're also quite lax relative to real journalistic standards. All of that to say, Adam Schefter put out in the immediate aftermath, Oklahoma would be targeting Cliff Kingsbury for their head coaching opening, and that is Cliff Kingsbury's agent doing Godspeed work. That man deserves a raise or whatever percentage they're paying because Cliff Kingsbury is in a contract dispute with the Arizona Cardinals. He's kind of in this quagmire position, similar to where Baker Mayfield is, where you've seen some results, but you don't feel good about extending him because you don't know how much of that is Kyler Murray and how much of it is him, and he hasn't really brought the air raid zone scheme to Arizona. That is his agent doing God's work right, I mean, Godspeed work real quick getting to Adam Schefter because that was within like 12 minutes of the Lincoln Riley news coming out. It's like, hey, Oklahoma is already thinking about hiring Cliff Kingsbury. That is directly coming from Cliff Kingsbury's agent and Cliff Kingsbury's agent worked so quick in dropping that news in there that it was quite funny in his off week too, in Cliff Kingsbury's off week, where as if Arizona didn't need more of a conversational point, Cliff Kingsbury's agent provided him one because that man is looking for a contract extension with the Cardinals and some measure of job security that really, really doesn't exist in the NFL for coaches like Cliff Kingsbury. It's a good effort on his part. He's going to leverage that situation the way college coaches always leverage these situations into getting contract extensions. Mel Tucker just did it at Michigan State. James Franklin did it at Penn State. Use your leverage when you have it available, and you you too can get a gigantic extension from your current employer just by using the ton of openings available in college football. Now another one over at the University of Oklahoma. These have been the five little things, and so to move into our next segment, let's play 
our New York, New York song, because we mentioned the Jets and Texans earlier. It's our only mention of the Jets and Texans here this week, but the Jets and Giants both won. So let's play this wonderful music in honor of both of our New York teams getting meaningless victories this week. Spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it And finally, here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast, our final laughing at the ACC and Pac-12 of 2021. We, We carried it on for a long time here, people. We made it through the entire season while laughing at these teams. USC, I know you lost to BYU, but you got a nice little gift of Lincoln Riley coming in here for the next five to ten years as a forever job. Congratulations to you all. Wasn't really a lot of chaos here other than Wazoo beating Washington with a backup quarterback in the Pac-12. We can laugh at Oregon and Utah making it to the championship. It was the least chaotic result. We obviously talked about the ACC on uh, when I'm uh, sorry on sun- Sunday's podcast with Stripe Hype Cincy and uh, for the repeated emphasis I would like to explain how this all ended up for the ACC here in 2021 because all of these jokes turned into this magical finish of Wake Forest playing Pitt obviously in the ACC championship and having this be the finish to the conference of everyone beating each other up which is. 10 and 2, 9 and 3, 9 and 3, 10 and 2. Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson, Pitt. Very good seasons. You had your own upsets in there. Clemson obviously lost to Pitt. NC State had the uh, trying to remember now. They lost to they lost to Mississippi State at the start of the year. I remember that. But then they they were ranked and lost to Miami. Then they lost to Wake Forest. Like NC State had their own versions of these upsets in here of being in the ACC. Clemson, very good year, turned it around. They'll be back to the top probably after a one-year hiatus. First time since 2014, Clemson not playing for the championship. Again, here is the rest of the conference. Louisville, 6-6. Six and six. The University of Miami, 7-5. and five. Syracuse, 5-7. Five and seven. Florida State, 5-7. and seven. Boston College, 6-6. Six six. As I mentioned a second ago, Louisville, 6-6. Six six. Virginia Tech, 6-6. Six six. University of Virginia, 6-6. Six six. North Carolina, 6-6. Six six. It seems to be a common theme here. Five 6-6 six six teams in the terrible ACC. Almost every team was bowl eligible. Florida State and Syracuse were close to being bowl eligible. Georgia Tech, Duke, weird year, ACC Coastal. Despite all the chaos in the ACC Coastal, the ACC Coastal did turn out kind of in a line this year where you had a pretty fair distribution of wins and losses. It was a, uh, a mediocre year, but a year... Nonetheless, for the ACC Coastal, that is the grand result of all of this is all the jokes, all the chaos turns into one 7-5 team 
three teams at five and seven and six count them six teams at six and six that leaves 57 percent of the conference either between five or seven wins in a truly truly mediocre ACC and a truly truly mediocre Pac-12 because if we look through the Pac-12 it's a lot of four wins four wins eight eight seven it's not quite everyone in the middle the distribution ended up working itself out towards the end even if Washington was ass and Stanford was ass and USC didn't make a bowl game even through all that you still had some distribution there but the ACC gets the beautiful finish of 57 percent of the goddamn conference finishing between five and seven wins ladies and gentlemen thank you for stopping in here to the memes of the weekend pod you can check out nfl monday it's out now you can check out our full archive of podcasts if you want a breakdown of the chaos of college football from last week make sure to check out wired up 96 from sunday as well three podcasts covering the whole weekend y'all should definitely check those out for the full fun breakdown i love each and every one of you and we will talk to you again tomorrow take it easy